This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Goalie Ashwa Gummies. You can find them at goalie.com. Use promo code the Show Up That Foundation to get 10% off your order. Zendurance Active Wellness and Sports Nutrition. Their products are designed to maximize your health. At Zendurance, they strive to support and have a positive impact on the wellness of every hardworking dad. Use my code, the show up dad, and get 10% off your next purchase. For more info, go to www.zendurance.com. Tall Man Equipment, standing taller than the rest of the competition in Lyman Tools since 1952. Give them a follow at www.tallmanequipment.com. And last but not least, Adam Lane Smith. He is an attachment specialist who helps people to heal, connect, and build. Use my promo code SHOW, spelled S-H-O-W, for a 50% discount on his attachment boot camp course. Thank you. Welcome to Show Up Dad Podcast, where our mission is to improve the well-being of children by increasing the proportion of children growing up with an involved, responsible, and committed father. The Show Up Dad Foundation is a 5013C organization that encourages dads to become more than just a paycheck. Our guest today is none other than Corey Carlson. He is an entrepreneur, former executive, husband, and father of three. Corey understands the pressures working parents face. He is passionate about helping business leaders win at home and at work. And he does this by executive coaching, speaking, and writing. His first book that he wrote was released in 2019 titled Win at Home First. It was listed in Forbes as seven books everyone on your team should read. Okay, so many of us focus on winning at work. Whether it be from our own fear or expectations of others, we put pressures on ourselves to succeed. Then, with whatever time and energy we have left, we give to our family and to ourselves. In the end, no one wins. Marriages suffer, kids are neglected, teams are not developed, and you are not fulfilled. So help me welcome our guest, Corey Carlson. Thank you for being on here, brother. Man, thank you, David. I'm looking forward to it. I've enjoyed our pre-record conversation already, so it's going to be a good one. Absolutely, man. Well, Corey, I was reading up about you, man, and I started seeing how you had this great book and stuff like that. I just wanted you to just talk about it, man, and and tell us why fathers are are so separated from home and work and, and just they're not achieving a good balance, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I wrote the book Went Home First because I lost at home first. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is the reality of it. And so I was able to put some tools and ideas and things together that I learned from my executive coach or mentors or pastors or just different people that when I got serious about realizing, hey, there is a better way. Like, it's not all work. And then, you know, it's a phrase we use in our house, David, in don't get every don't give everyone else the best and then we get the rest mm. Mm. and i started to, to just realize this like i can't go all out for work and then at home i just um you know a passive dad sitting on the couch or i'm just not engaged with my spouse or with my kids you know there's got to be a better way and so just even that one thought of you know the day does not end when you walk through the front door no. The day ends when your head hits that pillow. And so it's thinking through, just like, just like a gas tank. If you're going to drive from, you know, if I'm going to drive from here, Cincinnati, where I live, to California to see you, mm-hmm. I'm going to manage my gas tank accordingly. As I'm driving, if it get, gets towards E, I'm going to fill it back up. 
And then I'll keep driving, then it gets towards E, I'll fill it back up. Same thing throughout our day. If we're noticing ourselves kind of hitting E throughout the day, well, you know, walk around the building, uh, say a prayer, listen to some music, do some push-ups, just do whatever it is to give you some more energy throughout the day so that you get home, you in fact can show up as a great spouse, a great parent, and, and make it till your head hits that pillow. Yeah. And I, I'd noticed that too. Cause like when I would work out of town or out of state or whatever, um, the drive home was my way to unwind, you know, and just listening to podcasts like this, or even just the radio or, or worship music or whatever, you know what I mean? That helped me to recharge. Cause you're absolutely right. You're drained, man. And you give the best of yourself at work and you don't have enough at home. It's crazy, you know, that we do that, you know, how can we yeah. prioritize our families, though, in that situation? Yeah, um, you know, one way to prioritize a family is to think about the family. I mean, that's, <laughs> a, that, that, that's a step. Okay. And what I mean by that is a, kind of you talk about the commute um, mm -hmm. is I remember hearing this, this thought, I think it came from a book, but uh, basically there's, a, there's like five gears that we have and when okay. of energy and like when we wake up, it's kind of gear one, we're kind of moving around and, you know, gear two is, you know, kind of brushing our teeth and kind of moving around, starting to talk three becomes kind of the energy level for commute Four, you're at the water cooler, having a discussion five, like you're on, you're working, you're in that board meeting, you're, 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 you're on the line for the linemen. I mean, you're, you're doing whatever it takes. You're up at the top. Mm -hmm. Well, in this book, the thought is it takes 90 minutes to get to that by the time you kind of climb up to that energy level. Mm -hmm. But the, the reality is on the way home, David, we think we can cram that 90 minutes into about 90 seconds. And what I mean by that is I did sales my whole career. And so it's always kind of talking to sales guys or when I was president of sales, I, you know, I had a team that reported to me is I would be on the phone my whole way home from the office. And I'd be pulling into my driveway, basically level five, like, you know, having this conversation, I'm either, you know, and I walk right into the house. Mm -hmm. So what ends up happening is let's just say we, you know, we had good news on the phone call. We got that client. I walk in at this high level, like, you know, we, we got the new client or, the prospects, you know, said yes, or the, the contract was extended, whatever it is. Well, I walk in this high level. My wife and kids are at a lower level. It's just mm -hmm. the facts of life. You know, they're not, you know, experiencing that high. On yeah. the flip side, I well, then, then I get frustrated because she's not excited. I had this new contract. Yeah. On the flip side, I can come in and maybe have a bad call. I'm talking to a contractor and it's not going very well. And they're frustrated. And therefore, I walk inside mad or angry. And my family's excited to see me, but I'm down here low and frustrated. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a disconnect. And I did this for a long time in my career. I didn't know. I thought I was being Mr. Efficient, right? Yeah. Driving home and I'm going to you know, listen to podcasts, radio. I'm going to be on the phone. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Where I changed, David, is realizing, hey, I better start ramping down when I leave the office so that I'm at that kind of right energy level to walk in the house. Mm. So what that means is, I'm I'm not on that phone call the whole way home anymore like I used to be. And if I'm in a good mental state, like uh -huh. things are good, then maybe I will make that phone call or maybe I will listen to a podcast or, or, or radio or some music. But if I'm not in a good state, then I don't listen to anything. I, I, I pray. I you know may do some worship music. 
But I, I'll, t- I'll tell, you know, guys like my clients, I'll tell them this is like, if you're not doing good, don't listen to NPR on the way home. Don't listen to CNN or Fox or whatever you listen to, because you're going to yeah. walk in the door frustrated because, you know, it's the pol- political thing didn't go the way you wanted to, or even sports radio, your team traded your favorite player or didn't trade somebody. And so you just walk in frustrated. And so my encouragement to that, you know, listeners to think about, hey, start thinking about your family. So how can you show up as your best self when you come to that front door? So that's just one of many things we'll end up talking about. But since you mentioned commute, I got to mention that. And then for those individuals who do work from home, man, stop working maybe 10, 15 minutes before you go upstairs Mm -hmm. or go downstairs to see the family, you know, just kind of wind down, maybe a quick prayer, meditation, some worship music, just do something so that you can kind of get that energy level a little bit more normal to walk into a family with. Man, it's so, and it's so true, Corey, because I had a friend of mine, a mentor of mine, he tells me we're at his house. Okay. And, uh, it's cold outside, kind of a freakish, uh, weather pattern going through, you know, in El Paso, Texas. So it was cold. It started snowing and stuff. And, uh, we're waiting for him. We're in his house and he opens up the, the screen door, right? And the cold air rushes in. And I'm like looking at it like this, at this guy, like, what are you doing, man? Close that door. It's his house, right? And he's like, he lets the air come in. It gets cold. And then he closes the door. He's like, what did I just do? And like, oh, you let in all, you let all the hot air. You know what I mean? You're trying to heat up the, the neighborhood. You know what I mean? Just, you know, joking with the guy. And he turns like, what I just did is I just changed the atmosphere. He's like, as a father, that's what we can do with our attitudes. And it was just a great example that he was able to just show with just a simple tactic, just like that, just showing us how we can control the atmosphere with our home. And like you said, Corey, when we're coming in in that low vibration, when we gave our all on the phone or at work or whatever, and we walk in there, you know, I know for me, when I'd come home, I thought I was going to be celebrated after working two weeks out of town or or whatever, you know, and on the way home, for whatever reason, I'm on the phone consistently on the phone talking to whoever. So I'm giving the best part of myself to everybody I'm talking to. And then when I get home, I am drained. And then my wife wants connection. She wants to talk to me. She wants to tell me about the kid hurt himself or this or that or her two weeks and how she missed me and everything. And I just didn't have anything for her. So you're absolutely right, brother. We need to focus on our families, man. And we're only fooling ourselves because, you know, our kids, our spouse, they can see us dial up the energy when we need to. I remember one time I got called out by my wife mm-hmm. where, you know, we were in this little, you know, season and I don't think it was even that long. I mean, uh, maybe it's a few days. We were kind of like being like roommates. Like we weren't really just getting along. We were kind of just two shifts passing the night. There's we a friction. And we're kind of, I, I still remember we're kind of in the right near the front door. And then not really talking to each other, high friction point. And mm-hmm. and anyways, I then leave. And as I'm walking out, I see a neighbor. And I'm like, hey, how are you? Good to see you. And all this high energy. And, you know, and then I come back in. And then she's, oh, you, you, you had energy to talk to them. Basically, you know, I was called out. And it's so true. And so our oh, kids man. can see. If we're, you know, being passive on the couch or we're not talking to them in the car while we're taking them to soccer or theater practice or whatever it is, but yeah, we get a phone call from a friend, all of a sudden we're upbeat and 
yeah, man, can you believe it? Can you believe that game? Can you believe this? Yeah, we're fooling ourselves of, you know, we don't think they're, everyone else is noticing this high energy that we're giving to other people, but yet our family, we're not. So, you know, I, I we, we got to fix it. We got to fix it. If we want to model what true leadership looks like, mm-hmm. it is stepping up, leading our family well, whether we're in the house, whether we're in the car, or, you know, whether we're walking around the grocery store with them, whatever the case may be. We've got to lead them well, you know, otherwise they just see pure hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with you hundred um, percent. It, it's funny that you talked about hypocrisy because uh, a lot of times I'll be talking to my wife when I'm getting some coffees for the guys or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. She'll hear me giving the order. Okay. The other day when we we're at church, she told me her order and I completely got it wrong. I'm, this is, we're sitting right next to each other. Okay. And she muttered, you know, she got kind of upset and kind of laughed a little bit and kind of muttered. She's like, you can get your friend's order right. I'm right here in the car with you and you can't even get my order right. And immediately it went into this, well, you can get their order right. I'm not as important as them. I'm your wife and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? And it's like, wow. And then I have to stop and pause. I'm like, you're absolutely right, babe. I wasn't even plugged in listening to you. I wasn't even intentional. I wasn't being where my feet are. And dude, to be honest with you, I don't know, man, my, I had so much things going on in my head. I was thinking about podcasts. I was thinking about getting home. I was thinking about all these different things that don't even matter. Cause I wasn't leaving, living in the moment, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we, you know, we all get tripped up from time to time. And I think even the listeners, I mean, they're going to get tripped up. You and I are still get tripped up on it and probably end up doing something stupid later today. <laughs> But I think where the where the the growth comes in is are we recalibrating quick enough? Like, will we say, you know what, babe, I, I messed up. I'm going to work mm-hmm. on it. Like, if we have the humility and not don't get all defensive and prideful, like, nah, I didn't do that. We know what are you talking about? It's just like, man, learn. I remember I, I do this, and you may do something very similar. Is I will ask my wife, and I'll ask my kids. On a scale from zero to 10, where am I at as a, as a spouse or as a parent? And the answer doesn't really matter, the number they say. You know, if they say it's two or if they say it's seven, let, you know, they just throw out a number. And no matter what number they say, don't get too prideful or don't get too angry. Yeah. But the, the, the gold is in the second question. What's the one thing I can do to get closer to a 10? Mm. And so for me, I remember, I still, I mean, I've done this a, you know, a handful of times, um, and, you know, get a variety of answers. But I remember this one time, my middle child, her name's Camden. And I said, well, what, what do I need to do? And then she says, um, Dad, don't talk about God or my vision or my goals before noon. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just pretty funny. But I, what, how, how my schedule works is I go to the gym at five in the morning and I do my quiet time. And so when I come in the house and I see the kids, I'm fired up. Like it's, I, you know, I, I've worked out. I've spent some you know time in words. So there may be a you know a scripture I want to share. There may just be I heard something on a podcast. I'm like, come on, kids, you know, what's your vision for your life? And you know, what are your values? And and just you know, silly stuff like that. But it was you know, wearing them out. And so now I knew that though. I thought I was being this great father by leading and being faith forward, but instead I was annoying them. But by asking the question, 
I since have adjusted. Now, a few times I for sure will say something before noon <laughs> because I, it's just, hey, babe, I got to say this, but at least I share with awareness and now I just have shaken up differently. But I think, you know, we get 360 feedback at work all the time, yeah. but we got, you know, even just thinking about how do we get that at home? It's a great thing to start doing. No, absolutely. I, I'm going to definitely incorporate that. I know I incorporated that with my wife, um, but I definitely see the positive, uh, you know, outcomes that can come out of that with just asking the kids, man, is daddy doing okay? You know, well, what from a scale from one to 10, you know, that's, that's amazing, dude. And I'm definitely going to steal that one from you, Corey. Yeah, well, good. I'm sure I stole. I know I stole from somebody. I just don't know who. <laughs> iron sharpens iron, brother. That's right. right. And nothing's new under the sun. Nope, nope, nope. Now, um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your book, okay? In your book, it talks about how to discover, how to like craft a personal and family vision. You talked a little bit about vision. How can we do that in our families? How can we craft a vision? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the idea with the in the family and you know, just backing up just a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, well, I don't think I know all the companies we work for, or some of us run our own companies. We've got vision statements, and you know, we got vision statements. We got these are our goals for this year that we're going to do for the company, and we're very intentional and strategic mm -hmm. with how we run our companies. But then, when it comes to our personal life and our families, we wing it. Yes. We don't put that intentionality in it. And, and so one thing I mentioned in the book is that you know, we, we need to be intentional with vision statement for our personal life and vision statement for our families. You know, I mean, as the proverb says, where there is no vision, the people will perish. Yeah. And I remember when I first remember hearing that Bible verse, I'm like, oh, perish. Yeah, right. I don't see anyone just dying, falling over. That's, yeah. you know, that's not really true. But then I actually saw another definition of, parish where it just mentioned wandering and i was like wow that's true i know yeah. lots of people who are just wandering through life because they have no vision they have no idea where they're going and kind of what they're about and so about nine years ago i put together my own personal vision statement with the help of my executive coach and you know it's to connect people to greater performance and even more significant purpose like that's yeah. been the same one it's what i use and absolutely just, you know, I, I love it, but it helps me no matter, you know, if I'm at church or if I'm at, at the, you know, the kind of neighborhood function or I'm working, it's like, hey, how can I help people connect greater performance and significant purpose? So then just kind of knowing the power of what that had done and thinking, hey, I, I want to bring our family together and kind of have a vision statement. Hey, I remember going to church when we first moved to Cincinnati and someone had this uh, they said this uh, quote from stage, and it just basically says, your family vision has got to be bigger and better than the 15-year-old boy in high school's vision. Yeah. And it just, at the time, I had a daughter, I had daughters younger than 15, so I could just see, like, oh, my goodness. Like, our family better be something cooler and of more substance mm -hmm. than, you know, that 15-year-old boy that they don't see him and be like, oh, I want to, you know, go do whatever he does. Yeah, yeah. But instead, sure. we've got to make a family that's fun that kids want to be around, but it's also you know we're you know we're driven, we're doing things, and so that kind of became this idea of hey, you know that's that's the idea of a, a vision. You know, we kind of need some stuff. So I do think from a family standpoint, just be thinking about hey, put that vision statement. And there's a lot of different ways to craft it. At the beginning of the book, I talk about the five P's used to make a vision statement. Okay. 
and 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 those five P's are hey passions. Like, what what are the what are the things you are passionate about that maybe are different than you know uh, what other people are passionate, other families are passionate about problems. Is the other one? What are problems that you've overcome that you want to help other people overcome? And so for me, you know, one of the problems I had is I I lost at home first, and so I was like, you know what? I, I want to help other people win at home. I don't want people to lose at home. Um, and then possessions. What has God given you? What are your possessions? Whether it's a you know college education or it's a a technical degree or it's money or or whatever that is that you have what's possessions that you as god has equipped and empowered you with mm. fourth one's personality just how you wired introvert extrovert myers-briggs disc enneagram whatever that is what you're wiring in the fifth one is potential some people can just see potential in things that others mm. can't they got that visionary mindset so you take those five p's you kind of do a brain dump on all of them and then from there, just kind of see what pops out. Like for, for me, the word connect is a big thing. I am an extrovert. I love connecting people to people to say, you know, hey, you, you know, you, you two need to meet. Great things can happen. Yeah. So I love that. Performance is a word in there because I want to win. I, I, I Good or bad, I want to win. I want to win at work, win at home. And then purpose for me, it's, it is my faith to connect people to Jesus. And if I'm in a scenario where I can't, because of you know it's just not we can't talk faith or whatever then it's just a greater purpose that they know their life's a little bit bigger than just themselves and so those are uh, some of the ways to construct what that would look like mm, definitely um we started doing in my own family is you know same thing vision board right we started writing stuff out and we started putting on a board that way it's always before you day and night you know what I mean? And uh, whether it be putting down people that we want to pray for that is going to come to to Jesus or even for our foundation, what we want to see take place within it, you know, how we want to help and get back to people. Um, and it changes. It, it's crazy when it's there before you. It, it's it changes. It's ever it's, it's alive. It really is. You know what I mean? Because you're constantly making little tweaks and changes. Stuff like that. And it keeps the family involved, I think. You know what I mean? So, it does. And I, I know some friends got some super simple ones, and which is great. That, it's probably the better thing to do. Or words that for the family, kind of what all that means. Um, I do know for any listener who is going to go do this, with a, I will tell you, your wife will roll their eyes when this first gets started. <laughs> your kids <laughs> yeah. will roll their eyes like, this is stupid. I don't want to do this. Um, and if you're, uh, you know, a woman listening, then your, your husband's going to roll their eyes. It just, it, it usually always happens. The same thing happened in, in us when we did it. I was like, I really want a vision statement for our family and I want to do all this. And every time I kind of brought it up, it just, I think it's just spiritual warfare to be honest too. It's just like, I think it, it's a good thing. Therefore it's going to come against resistance mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Man. So I, I kind of brought it up a few different times and kind of failed every single time I brought it up. But this one particular time. We're on spring break. We actually went up to Montana and we're driving and I brought it up again and it was perfect timing. It was just awesome. We had a good discussion about it, but for that listener, don't give up on the first try. I, I pray, I assure you there will be eyes rolled and people think it's a dumb idea, but it's worth powering through uh, for sure. And I like that you said, don't give up because a lot of times as fathers, we think we're not reaching our kids when they're rolling their eyes and when they say, yeah, 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 I know. 
you know, don't give up because it they're listening to you and it's going to sink in. And when they need it, they're going to be able to pull from that, you know, so that that's that's a good piece of nugget right there as well, man. You know, and I think our kids also I think sometimes our kids just like we we do a little bit with everything else. It's like we hear it once. Uh, if I hear it two or three, four times, then, then maybe dad's really into it, because sometimes when we bring up things to our kids or to our employees, it's like. Even our employees will be like, they must have read a book, like, or they just heard this on a podcast. Let's see if this lasts a week. Mm -hmm. You know, this idea may not be that cool in a week. So let's not all jump on board because we know our boss or we know our dad. They change it all the time. So, Mm -hmm. and I I think there's truth to that. I mean, just like, probably like you, it's just like we can't pivot every time a leader in our life says, go do this. I mean, there's a little bit of, all right, if you mention this a few times, I'm in. But I, I can't just be like a buoy in the water bouncing around to every single idea you got. And I think our kids will pay attention to that too, and they won't jump on everything. So I think there is some resistance to spiritual warfare. I think some of the resistance is a little bit of uh, <laughs> they want to see if we're going to stick to this idea. Yeah, no, for sure. They want to see that consistency. I think like when people ask me how to be a better father, the one thing to simple it down in the, in the simplest form is be consistent. Seriously, I mean, through all aspects, even even as an employer or employee, be consistent at work. That's it. You know what I mean? I don't know how many times I've talked to guys and they're like, I'd rather take somebody who is consistently showing up, who's never late, who has a good attitude versus someone who's a hot shot, but always has an excuse for something, never takes uh, any kind of initiative on anything because he thinks he's too good and he you know, picks and chooses when he's going to come in. He's like, I don't need that employer, even if he's even 10 times better than the other guy. I'd rather have the guy who is just consistent, you know? Absolutely. I I saw, you know, uh, I've seen some different quotes and things where our kids, when they know we're going to be consistent, then they have a sense of security. Like Mm. they know who we are, how we're going to respond, even if they know they're going to get grounded. Or yes. they they just they kind of just know how it's going to be, or if we're, you know we're going to love on them and be proud of them for something in particular. It's just that that consistency makes them have this sense of security and confidence as they as they go. And this is you know assuming we're consistently good parents too, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're not consistently bad parents. Now that we're talking about kids and, and family life and stuff like that, I wanted to ask you a little bit about building your kids and setting them up for success in life. How do you how would how would you do that? Like, what are your suggestions on that? Man, I, I got lots of I got lots of suggestions. I'm sure if you ask my kids, they'll say, yeah, some of those are really bad suggestions, Dad. <laughs> no, but I mean, I you know, uh, uh, just kind of a few things. I, I think one, uh, man, we could just we talked about it recently. I have um, I have three kids, just for context for people: um, an 18 year old daughter, a 14 year old daughter, and a 10 year old daughter, mm-hmm. and I have been a, a receiving coaching and really been intentional and all those things. I'd say for sure the last 10 years okay. um, of that. And and yeah, I'm sure maybe I was an okay parent before then, but just really intentional with them and the things I'm learning and, and trying to apply to them. And so I, I say all that to say, hey, you know, it's a little bit of a track record and, and we're seeing success come of it. That this isn't just uh, some ideas we just tried last week and, you know, they're, they're working out okay. It's been going on for a, a long time. 
uh, one thing that for sure that I am grateful for is we talk to our kids about identity yes. early on. And uh, I think that's one of the best things we ever learned. And therefore we taught our kids is their identity is they are beloved sons and beloved daughters of God. Mm. Their identity is not in how many Instagram followers they have. Their identity is not in their straight A's or straight B's. Their identity is not in gymnastics or dance or soccer or how many phone numbers they have from the, you know, the, the boys school, the boys at school, the girls at school, whatever it is. Yeah. And I'm telling you what, I mean, you know, this as well, David, but that's been a game changer because they've had their ups and downs and going along this, tell them their identity is not in that. My middle child's a competitive gymnast. Okay. She's had a couple bad injuries. One, you know, a, a, a kind of a, a broken ankle. Um, she's had a broken elbow, like at different times. But if we would not have talked identity, it would have wrecked her. Mm-hmm. She would have been down in the dumps. And yeah, I mean, we still had some tears, but she knew her identity is not in a gymnast. Her identity is a beloved daughter of God, but the way she gets to live that out as of now, it's going to change as she gets older, yeah. but is to be a gymnast and to be a student at school. And through that, she can love on others, show the glory of God. She can do all these cool things through gymnastics until that door is closed. And so she got in. So when she did get hurt, yeah, she was frustrated and, you know, but she knew it didn't define who she was. My oldest was a competitive dancer. And then when she stopped dancing, when she went to college, same thing, sad, but not wrecked or ruined mm-hmm. because they knew their identity is not to that. So getting our kids and ourselves to make sure our identity is in something permanent and not temporary. And so for that listener, how that applies to us is our identity is not in our title. It's not in our salary. And it's not even in the performance of our own kids. Because if we as fathers, and for those mothers listening, if we have our identity that my kid is perfect, well, what happens when they're not perfect? Exactly. You know, if you have this identity that your kid's absolutely amazing and they're that they're faith forward, they're going to young life, they're doing this, well, what happens if they show up pregnant? Mm. Does that mess with your identity? Because if, if that messes with your identity, then you've got your identity in the wrong places. I mean, I don't, I don't want this to be tested on me. I don't want my kids showing up pregnant. But if it does happen, I, I'm pretty darn confident it's not going to wreck my identity. We're, wow. We'll just pivot. We're just going to adjust things. We're going to have big conversations. What does life now look like? And uh, But it doesn't affect my identity as a beloved son of God. And so I think that's one thing I'm so grateful for that we've been yes. doing a lot in our house. I'm grateful for the mentors that really poured into me in that. So that, that's one piece is really talk to your kids about identity, but you got to make sure you got your own identity figured out too. Otherwise they're going to you know smell right through that. The rest of these aren't going to be in order. Uh, identity is number one. The rest of these aren't in order, but I'd say that there are some things I'm crazy grateful for. Um, someone told us to be always be a source of truth to your kids. Yes. And I, I'm so grateful we did. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is once your kids know you're going to not tell them the right answer, because you don't think they're old enough or you don't want to talk about it, well, they're going right to Google. They're going to go figure out the answer. And if they don't have access to a phone, they're going to recess and they're going to ask the kid what the X, Y, Z means. And so if, if you 
delay or deny they're doing something different. They're going to ask somebody else. Mm-hmm. If you give them the call it the cheesy Christian answer every time, they also are going to not go to you anymore. And then therefore, they won't go to you anymore for any other questions. They're going to go to other people. They'll Google it. They'll go to friends. They'll go to other places because they don't trust you because you're not going to tell them the truth. And man, someone told us that early on, thank goodness. And, and we did right out of the gates. We've always, we talk open and honest and um, I, I'm very grateful we did because now they continue to come to us. Now I'm not naive. I know they're not coming to us on some stuff and it is yeah. what it is, but man, the, some of the conversations that we've had in our house have just been pretty darn powerful because we've just been open and honest. Man, that's a great policy to have too, man. Um, I had a a friend of mine and I loved what he said. You know, it it touches exactly what you're saying. He was saying that his kids came up to him with a question, right? And this guy is another lineman, good friend of mine into cars and stuff like that. And he tells his kids, he's like, oh, because his kids asked him about how uh, if something they had heard at school was true. And the dad turns, I was like, oh, do you remember that time? You asked me about the Easter bunny and I told you the truth, even though it was was harsh or whatever. You know what I mean? I told you the truth about the Easter bunny. And they're like, yeah. He's like, oh, I'm telling you the same thing again. Dad's consistent. And I'm telling you the truth about this too. And they're like, huh? Okay, dad, then you're right. You know what I mean? And it was just kind of cool because they, when they came up to him, he didn't lie when they were like, oh, his dad is the Easter bunny, you know, and he, and you know, some parents are like, oh yeah, the Easter bunny's real. Or even let's say Santa Claus, we're in Christmas, you know, kids come to you and ask you about Santa Claus, right? He did not lie. He told them the truth. He was open and honest with them. So when it came down to these other things in life, right? Like, I think it was like a sexual question or something like that. And they asked him, he told them and he told him, he's like, he gave that example. Remember when I told you the truth about this? Well, daddy's telling you the truth again right now. And they're able to be like, all right, man, dad, that's, that's connecting with us. He's telling us the truth and they believed it. So that's yeah. cool, man. Open and honest. I love it. I love it, bro. Yeah. So it's been, uh, it, it's been pretty cool. It's been fun to do. And, you know, and just, and, and also, you know, and I think another thing about raising kids too, is just being open and honest and just, and humble. You know, I, I made a comment earlier in that the reason I wrote when at home first is because I lost at home first and, and, and really just to give it some additional context on that and how that applies to parenting is, you know, it's not a, a proud part of my story for sure, but um, I had an affair early on in my marriage and I did not, uh, I, I came clean of it a few years later. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thanks to just it's it's the introduction to the book. So you can kind of hear all the pieces of it. But it's just an amazing story of restoration and uh, Holly and I growing closer together, closer to God, each of us individually as a couple, all good, good stuff. Mm -hmm. But there came this point where, um, you know, when I wrote the book, went home first and just having this whole conversation is we got to tell the kids like we have to tell the kids about all of this. And and so. We, we had a conversation. We're going to tell the kids. And uh, I'm going to tell you, it was hard. It sucked. Yeah, I bet. It was really, really hard. And and obviously kids crying and all this. But there was, we could have brushed it under the carpet, possibly. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, 
But the reason I'm so glad we told our kids is, is really two reasons. Um, one, I wanted my kids to know that they, I, I made a mistake in my life, mm-hmm. but God's not done with me. God is still going to use me for good. Of, of, of this story, even when I came clean of my affair, I heard this this thought. I, it felt audible. I know it wasn't audible, but yeah. it was hand over your story for a greater story. So I've shared with my kids that I handed over my story that this not only this affair, but just even this prideful Corey self mm-hmm. for a greater story of hey, how can I help others? How can I you know grow and and kind of expand the kingdom and things. So I made a mistake, but God's not done with me yet. He's going to take me just as I am, but then help me grow closer to him one degree at a time. Mm-hmm. And I have told, we told our kids that because we want them to know that too. They're going to make a dumb mistake. And they are not, God is not done with them because of that one mistake. Instead, he will use them. He will refine them for good. So that was the first reason. I want them to know that even if they get a mistake, don't give up. God's not done with you. There's so much more ahead. Yes. And the second reason is one of my three kids, if not all three, are going to be similar to me. Mm-hmm. They could fall in the same trap. The whole reason I ended up having an affair is because I was taking my identity. Remember, I talked about this earlier. I was talking about my identity. Yeah. To my job. Because I didn't understand this whole God thing at that moment of being a beloved son. So I was taking to my job and and I'm going to find my value, my worth as a, as a man and how much money I'm making, how fast I'm moving up this corporate ladder. And, and that's where I'm going to find my identity. Well, that wasn't fulfilling. So when that wasn't fulfilling, I then took my identity to my wife. Like, well, then, you know, she'll make me, you know, feel like a man and I'm valued. Well, that's unfair to her. That's unfair to any human to... <laughs> Be yeah. the answer of because they have their bad days. They're broken just like we're broken. Mm-hmm. But then I decide, oh, I will take my you know identity to a, to another woman. Well, that, that's obviously a stupid idea. Yeah. I, and so, but the whole point of that is, I don't want my kids to go searching their identity in their job, searching their identity in their spouse, searching their identity in these temporary things to know that their identity is only found in one place. And from there, they then can build the life on it. And so I want my kids to know that, you know, and from even a personality standpoint, you know, a a phrase that was crazy impactful to me is I can now work from a place of approval as opposed to for approval. Wow. So from approval is I'm a beloved son. For approval is I want to know, hey, do you like me? Does so-and-so like me? How many likes I get on social media? You know, how many people are subscribed to my emails? Like that's an endless game. Yes. And when I learned that phrase, I can now operate from approval as opposed to look for approval. And so all of that stuff has been discussed with each of our kids of basically the story of me messing up. And so that comes a little bit. So when we talk like that in our house, we say, sorry, we say you're forgiven. Like, the, you know, I own my mistakes, uh, you know, for sure. Now, our, our house ha- has this tension still. I, I don't want anyone to think, oh, man, it's amazing over there. No. We still can have these frustrations in our house. Yeah. I still get tired. I still get frustrated and all that stuff. But those are some of the things that have helped us significantly. Mm. And it also shows that you are, you're real. You're not this perfect being. I I know for me, my my daughter, right? She's a teenager, 16 years old. She got really frustrated one day and she started crying. And she's like, I'm not perfect like you. And it 
it hurt me, dude, because she was thinking that daddy didn't make mistakes. And she was literally just burning herself out, trying to be this perfect person. And I had to sit her down and I had to tell her all the mistakes that daddy had made and tell her I am not perfect. And you don't have to be perfect, honey. You just got to try. You know, whatever you do, we're here to support you. And that's that acceptance that you're talking about because they have, you know, one of the things that I talked about in, a, in an actual recent post on social media was acceptance starts at home. Because if our daughters and our sons aren't accepted at home, they're going to go seek acceptance elsewhere. And how many times do men, when they didn't get acceptance at the home, start looking for acceptance at work? And when that that boss, you know, gives you these out of boys and all of a sudden it takes one out, you know, one, oh crap, for lack of better words. And then all those out of boys are out the window. Now you're the biggest POS, you know, and now all oh, this guy, he doesn't do yep. this. He doesn't do that. You know what I'm saying? And then we're crushed because why our identity was in that acceptance, seeking acceptance. So acceptance got to start at home, like you said. And I, I love that, bro. I do. Yeah, and then acceptance starts at home, and I think uh, you know, and then acceptance probably even starts a little bit more in just your quiet time and your relationship with God starts yes. there, and, and building that and, and just sharing that with our kids. Um, you know, for sure. You know, the book went home first is in four parts, and it starts with I, I mean, it's the flow of how I think we need to live. It's part one's you, mm-hmm. like, do you got your own stuff together? Figure that out. Part two's marriage. That's the most important relationship inside the house. It's the most outside of our relationship with God. That's the most important relationship. Third part on the book is parenting. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how do we, uh, you know, invite our kids in a relationship, but how do we also challenge them into responsibility? Because if it's all about relationship, we want to be best friends with our kids. Kind of, you know, we know those parents, right? They want to have yeah. the parties. They buy the the kids the booze. They they do all that. They're just friends. I mean, that, that that's how, that's our entitled culture. That's participation trophies. Like that's mm-hmm. all the crap going on. Where it's you know, we're we're just inviting relationship, no challenge. Oh, don't worry, you know, little, little Johnny or little Susie about you know getting getting bad grades. It, it's okay. We'll be fine. But it can't be the parents that's all challenge responsibility where it's all about grades. It's all about making your bed. It's all go, go, go. Because then they're going to be like little soldiers cruising around mm-hmm. in our house. So it's this hybrid where we got to invite the relationship and then challenge responsibility. Just like Jesus did, right? Come follow me. Very invitational, but go and make disciples. Very, you know, challenge and go do it. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, just like Jesus yeah, with the woman absolutely. at the well. You know, I'll give you know, I'll give you living water, invitational, but it's challenged. It's like you are correct. You are not married. The man you're living with is not your husband. You've been married five times. You know, it's this invitation challenge. We have to do the same thing at home. And then the fourth part of the book is on work and, and, and how he's showing up. And I talk about work. You know, we have to set up boundaries inside of work as well as outside of work so that we can win at home first. Hmm. I like, you know, that. a lot of us outside of work. What I mean by that is we're on our emails all the time. We're going to networking events all the time. It's like we have no boundaries outside of work. And then on inside of work, what I'm talking about on that piece is we got to be more efficient in our day so that we can leave at five or six or whatever time you leave. So you can go be with your family and you can actually, you know, believe that God's got the night shift, that you're going to bust your tail out, work hard, and that. When you leave, God's got the night shift. The, the, the business is going to go go on without you. You know, the things are going to happen. There's going to be conversations going on behind the scenes of, hey, 
I think we should, you know, we should hire Corey to work, or I think we should hire David's company, or whatever the case may be. We have got to believe God has the night shift, and then that will allow us to work hard from eight to five or whatever your hours are. Then you can be present when you're home. Mm-hmm. And also, too, with our sleep, because if you're constantly just focused on work, 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 and what you did or did not do, I mean, how is that affecting your sleep? You know, I mean, you're not getting good sleep, which then in turn turns into you, you not being productive at work to not being productive at, at home with your family engaged and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I had a 20 year corporate career, got to climb up the ladder, super fun, even got to report to a private equity group and, you know, the ownership. So, you know, got to and be in boardrooms and got some really cool things. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, when I hopped into the entrepreneurial world, of launching my own, you know, kind of, you know, brand and books and podcasts. I mean, that just became super exhausting. I mean, they, they both are, but they're just different, different forms of exhausting. Mm-hmm. But a phrase that I was kind of thought of in my quiet time or God gave to me in my quiet time um, in 2020 was I control the input. Mm-hmm. God controls the impact. And for a long time, I was trying to control the impact. Like, I, I need to go do all these things to sell X amount of books. I need to do all these things to get these this amount of clients. And I owe all this. And it's just like, that that was exhausting. Yeah. And I never felt enough. So now I'm just at peace that I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do my best to do the input. I'm going to be on, you know, I'm going to keep writing. I'm going to make social posts. I'm going to, you know, be on, you know, podcast. But I just got to believe God's going to control the impact. I'm going to get on the right podcast. Like, I mean, this is amazing to get to be on yours and, 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 you know, speak to your huge audience. That's crazy cool. But also the impact is going to have on some listener. I may never talk to that listener, but something hopefully that you or I said today, David, is going to have an impact that they're going to start dating their wife again, mm-hmm. that they're going to start going on ice cream dates with one of their kids, or they're just going to start doing something differently. We'll never know the impact, but I just have to believe it. God's got the impact and I'm just going to keep, you know, kind of pounding the nail on my part. And I used to have it flip-flops. I used to think I could control the impact and that's exhausting and sleepless nights. Man. And it's so true. Cause even, even with me, I'm like, oh man, what can I do? What can I do next? What can I do next? You know what I mean? And it is, you're absolutely right, Corey. It gets exhausting. And sometimes, you know, that old term where it says, let go and let God, that's what we got to do. You know, yes. I mean, even to the point where with our families, I know a lot of fathers call me up and they're like, Dad or or Dave, we don't know what to do. My daughter's acting up. She's doing this. She's doing this, and and they're like losing sleep over it, and rightfully so. You know what I mean? They're they're definitely want their child to be successful, right? And at those moments, I'm like, all, have you raised them correctly? Are you being an example? And I start asking these different questions like, yeah. I'm like, are you doing this stuff at the home? They're like, no. I'm like, okay, then. The Bible says that when you raise your child up in the way they should go, and when they depart, they will return. Because kids go astray, you know what I mean? And if you've raised them up and you have that good foundation that you're talking about and that we are are striving to do with our children, they're going to come back, you know? And all yep. you can do is just pray and give it to God. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're seeing a little bit of that. I said, my oldest is 18. You know, we just had our first semester away at University of South Carolina and now back wow. and for Chris's break. And it is like, 
Wow. Amazing. It's, it, you know, whatever we want our kids to be, we better make sure we're doing that too, right? If we want our kids to be disciplined, we better be disciplined. We want them generous, we better be generous. I mean, it, it's, you know, we know the phrase, you know, things are much more caught than taught. And I think yeah. that is just, I mean, it, it's so true. So whatever any listener wants out of the kid, they better make sure they're doing it themselves. <laughs> and they definitely watch you, you know. Um, I remember one time in uh I was my daughter, she was a little bit younger, she's like 11 or whatever, and um I was saying damn it, and I heard her say damn it, and she heard me say it again, and you know, vice versa and stuff like that. And she called me out on it. She's like, Dad, you can't be saying that. I was like, Oh, oh, you know, she caught me saying, and I'm like, it's one of those things where you are embarrassed, you know, and your ego kind of gets hurt. And it's like, you want to tell her, well, I'm the adult here. I could say that or whatever. But if you want her not to say stuff like that, if you don't want your kids saying stuff like that, you can't be saying that either because they're going to watch you. Yeah. Even in that though, I love that journey though. Right. So if you get confronted mm -hmm. and you're like, you're right, man, I'm messing up. I'm messing yep. up. I'm going to work on it. How about this? Watch me and, and let's work on this together. I'm going to stop saying it. You're going to stop saying, it. let's work on it together. If you hear me, you know, you know, you know, call me out on it or let's have some fun. Or if you and I both go a week without doing it, let's get some ice cream or, or whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Then it kind of makes it fun. She shows, hey, you're not perfect. You're working on getting better. And then the next time, maybe you're in the kitchen and you about to say, did that. Oh, well, I about did it. Right? I fixed it. <laughs> and it's just cool because she knows it's working through bad habits is hard. Mm -hmm. And you know, our kids learn perseverance and they learn resilience from us by seeing that we get knocked down, but we get back up. Mm -hmm. And, and as a family, you know, I, so even, you know, some of the losses I've talked about already on this podcast and just the other ones I've got, it's just, I want my kids to be like, Hey, I'm, I got knocked down. It's okay. I'm going to get back up because I'm a Carlson and my dad got back up. I remember seeing my dad get fired from a job, but he got back up. I remember hearing my dad say that, you know, he had an affair, but they're still married and, you know, going on 23 years. Like, I remember these things. Therefore, our kids will have resilience, perseverance, because they've seen us get knocked down, but they we get back up. And that's the power of parenting with our kids, like on the journey. To, so they see all that. If we mask it and it's all veneer. And they don't ever get to see that we lost a client or a job went bad or a quarter was bad, whatever that is. If they don't think back to what your daughter said, that I thought you were perfect, dad. Mm -hmm. I think there's so much value in sharing our struggles with our kids because they're going to see the other side of it when we got back up. Mm, man, that's that's so, so true because I think nowadays people are masking that because of shame or whatever and they don't want to be intimate and, and open up to their children and stuff like that for whatever reason. Right. And what's happening is our kids are growing up and they don't know how to deal with these problems. I mean, I think that's one of the contributors to a lot of the suicides we're seeing when it comes down to hard, hmm. the hard things that are in life. Our kids don't know how to deal with these problems because they were never shown. You know, and it's so important as 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 fathers, as leaders, that we do what you're doing. You know, where we're 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 showing these kids how we can navigate these problems, how to solve these problems. We're living life with them. A great reflection uh, exercise that I'll do with my family. I'm sorry, I do with my clients. 
And then I have my family do it too. And I can't do it a lot. I, I do it basically this Christmas time, you know, kind of end of the year. No. What are three good things that happened in, over this past year? And what are three bad things? And what's always interesting is the bad, they always usually turned out pretty good. Like it was a low point, but something good came in. But just that reflection, just that noticing, oh, wait, that did stink when this happened in the summer. But now look at it now. And it got, I got through it. And so, you know, it's that idea that, you know, revelation comes through reflection. And so if we are doing some of this reflection of the three good things, three bad things, then some pretty cool things can happen. And so it's a simple, I used to, we actually just talked about this today, that's why it's off the top of mind, is that a couple of years ago, I had my kids write a letter about this. And I just gave them each 10 bucks. And to, uh, today when I was talking to them, they don't want the 10 bucks, so they don't want to do the letter. And so they, they, I said, fine, we can just do it on post-it notes. Like, I just want you guys to think three good, three bad. We'll talk about it on the drive because we go from Cincinnati, Missouri over the holidays. Uh-huh. So pretty cool stuff. Yeah, definitely. That is awesome. Um, we're almost out of time. How can people reach out to you, brother? I know you got your website and stuff like that and your book's coming out, your second book, correct? Yeah, second book's out. It is Rise and Go. It is uh, basically all leaders get knocked down. It's just okay. the great leaders get back up quicker. And so what could it look like in your life if the next time you got knocked down, you were able to get back up quicker? And that knockdown is from doubt, from discouragement, from some form of just feeling defeated. And it happens to all of us. And so I got knocked down in 2020. I put together this content that helped me, but it also helped my 60 clients I had during that time. And I was like, all right, there's a book here. So the first 10 chapters are to give you the courage to get back up. And then the next 10 chapters are to have the confidence to move forward. So it's been super fun to get out there and doing the keynote to different companies and um, even done a few churches and it is, it, it's going great. So uh, Corey M. Carlson is my website and, and everything's there, podcast, blogs, books, um, access to that, courses, challenge, challenges, all that stuff. Uh, but what I would say is anyone who hears this on there, um, reach out if in just in the email, just put up uh, the show up dad podcast. And I'd love to just sit down and talk with you for, for, you know, 30 minutes and kind of a free strategy session as a thank you to you, Dave, and your audience to, to listen. And so just email me, say show up dad, and we'll have a, a 30 minute conversation. It'd be awesome. You guys heard it live, right? Directly from Corey Carlson, man. He wants to give you 30 minutes of his time. That's amazing. That's, that's super value. Um, go ahead and give him a call, contact them. I know you guys are going to get tremendous information from him. He's a, a blessed man and he's living right. And that that's what we want to see. We want to see a man like him. Who's being the epitome of a show up dad. Thank you once again, Corey, for coming on here, brother. Uh, appreciate you and coming on this show and just sharing with our audience, everything that you have, man. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you.